Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hi, thank you for joining us today for my discussion with April Lowry. April is an accomplished business owner and entrepreneur who's gone through a partial exit, at least in ownership recently, and is the founder of Body Gears Physical Therapy that she started in 2004. She started Body Gears solo, meaning she was the only employee doing everything from marketing to scheduling to treating to cleaning up. Uh, Body Gears is in six locations in and around Chicago now, with about 20 therapists and 60, 60 employees. I'm really excited to talk with you today, April. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you so much, Dirty. It was a pleasure to be asked and a, an honor to be here with you. Thank you. So first off, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. That's something we do during these podcasts and your lessons learned. Um, how did you get started and where would you describe where you are now in your journey? <laughs> that, that's a whole bunch of questions. So I started uh, literally going with a portable treatment table door to door, knocking on people's doors um, and saying, hi, I'm a physical therapist. What can I help you with? Um, I had a couple of patients um, who found me, actually, as I was starting to um, uh, start my business. And they said, great, you're going to be my physical therapist. And then I just asked them for assistance with building my caseload. Um, who else can I treat? Can I treat your family members? Do you have friends? Um, so it was very, very um, uh, hustly, if you will. And I, I really, really love that piece of it, being so excited about physical therapy because that's uh, what I do. Um, and so being so excited about physical therapy and how to help people through that that mechanism. So um, I, that's how I started. And then I just built it up, um, going to people's homes, realized that it would be a lot easier for me to help more people if they would come to me. And therefore, you know, I didn't have to drive everywhere. So I uh, worked out a, a budget, found a spot that was about a thousand square feet in a um, an industrial park because I really couldn't afford anything else in the area. Um, and uh, my sister actually was my very first part-time employee. This was back when we uh, submitted our own um, uh, well, submitted our own billing um, and did everything right by hand. So um, that was the very beginning of the journey. And now, of course, everything is all automated, et cetera. So, um, but that that part of the journey was uh, the nitty-gritty, um, just making sure that we could keep our lights on, type thing. Um, so where we are now in the journey, um, Body Gears has um, had a reputation of a lot of manual therapy and um, kind of second opinion physical therapy uh, skill. And so we have a lot of people who seek us um, because they want um, a different experience. And so one of the most recent surveys, patient surveys that we had, about 83% of our patients came to us because um, they were looking for something different. And so um, we really look at how do we train our therapists, how do we hire people who know how to problem solve, um, even at the front desk, because those are the first people who are having conversations with patients. So that whole journey has been an entire training process, um, personally, professionally, um, and, and now with a much larger organization, systems have to be a whole lot better. Cool. Thank you. So I, uh, I read an article in the Associated Press where you talked about the things you would do differently were you to start over today. For people starting out in business, what's the most critical lesson that you would share with them? <laughs> well, you know, when I first started, um, you, know, you have to have a lot of uh, guts and a little bit of stupidity, I think, 
uh, to start your own business and, and a ton of hope, right? This, this eternal hope that it's, it's all going to work out just fine. And in some ways, I feel like I got really, really lucky. There were a couple people who said, you know, April, you are in no way, shape, or form ready to start a business. Um, but I just kind of said, you know, I, I can make this work. I'm just going to work really, really hard. So lessons that I learned within the first couple of years, let me rephrase that, lessons that I should have learned in the first couple of years now looking back, is I really just thought I had to do everything myself. And to a certain extent you do because you need to set the culture and you need to be an expert at least enough so that you can help your employees. But what I think I didn't do enough of is I just thought, well, I've got the April way to do this and I'm going to do it the April way and it's going to be great. And instead of um, taking other people's information and just using that um, and following the book and then tweaking it, I really just tried to do everything my own way. And so because of that, I, I think I wasted so much time and effort and money on things that people already had in place because I was trying to do it my way. And um, that's great if you are trying to do like a new startup uh, product where it, there isn't anything like that in the market. But um, as a physical therapist, there were lots of resources that I just chose to ignore. So I think one of the, the biggest things that I would do over is I would actually find a program that I identified with and then really work that program. Um, I did that probably maybe five or six years into it, um, a lot better than, than what I had when I had, had first done. Um, and I think that would have just smoothed things over, gotten me um, a lot faster to where I wanted to go. Okay, cool. Thank you. Any specifics around the program? Do you have any ideas, like structure-wise or content-wise or... Yeah, you know, I, I think when I first started, I was looking at it more from a standpoint of clinically, what type of programming did I need to have a good business? And and the actual product of performing therapy, I was fairly or very proficient at. So I didn't really need help in that thing. What I really needed help with was um, organization. I'm, I'm still, that is one of the thorns in my side is organization. Um, so had I been smarter, I would have done more of those type of programs, like um, how to just uh, structure a day, how to structure a week, what each month needs to be done, and how do you track that. Um, from some of the programming that I did, it was um, how do you manage employees. Okay, so I can find uh, very good employees to begin with. They're fired up like I am. There's a lot of synergy and alignment with enthusiasm and I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm ready to make this work. But then helping my staff um, actually be proficient at their job, which was either billing or being the accountant bookkeeper or any of those kind of things, I, I didn't have any skill in and I really shouldn't have any skill, but I at least needed to have the managerial aspect of being able to um, manage to different personality types, which I was very weak with. Um, being able to um, help someone identify what their goals were um, as an employee and then really helping them work towards those. So from a programming standpoint, um, I, I think it would be really critical for somebody who's starting off, you know, maybe you've got five or um, ten employees, something like that. Those type of businesses could really do well with programming, you know, a paid-for business programming that allows for the staff to be supported as everybody continues working towards the same goals. 
And how did you come up with the goals? Like what what kinds of things were you thinking when you were kind of at that stage? I had no aspirations whatsoever to be where I am today, which, of course, is always, you know, life throws curves, balls, and you're like, hey, that's a scary one, or like I am right now, wow, what an amazing opportunity. So I think with the goals that my staff had, I just thought that those were personal goals and they needed to just go figure out how to uh, manage their lives to them, as opposed to how can we um, manage goals with the professional goals and how can work um, or body gears be a place where both of those are manifest. Um, so how we I help um, with uh, staff <coughs> excuse me staff um, developing goals was to actually work a program and help because that was part of one of the steps was to help them identify you know where do you want to be and uh, in a year three years five years um, how do you see that work can be a place where you accomplish those. Um, how is work preventing you from accomplishing those? And what can we change so that this is a place where um, not only the business is growing um, because you're a great employee, but it's also giving back to you as a, a staff member. So th- those were some of the things that um, that I did early on. Well, great, thank you. So how would you describe your leadership style and have you changed that over the years? Oh, well, my leadership style has gone through a a lot of different changes, and I would say some of that has to do with my personal life and some successes and failures that would then tie in uh, with where I was professionally. So um, my leadership style used to be um, extraordinarily direct um, to a fault and really... um, I would say punishment-oriented or much more punitive than it is now. Um, Leadership style was kind of like I had to be the best at it in order to be a leader as opposed to seeing leadership as a a means of facilitating the best out of other people. And so I think my leadership style um, was much more characterized by I'm going to be in front and I'm going to blaze the path and the people who want to um, uh, follow that and kind of be be on the bandwagon are going to be on board, and it's going to be great, and we're all going to have that same level of enthusiasm, um, and uh, we're, we're all going to push forward that way. Um, that, number one, can be exhausting. Number two, doesn't really help facilitate the best out of your people. You're just hoping that they're following behind because you really aren't looking at them. You're really looking more ahead, which, yes, is entrepreneurial, but it isn't um, – it, it isn't always as supportive as can be. So then um, as my leadership style changed and realizing that you can't be all things to all people and you can't be the enthusiasm for everyone, um, you need to find out what helps them tick and um, what makes them excited to come to work. Because if you aren't feeding those things, then they maybe aren't excited to come to work and then you're trying to, as the leader, do not only your own job but their job as well because uh, they're not very enthusiastic about it. They might be good at it, but they don't have much enthusiasm or draw into that same goal that you do. So um, as I realized that, I I understood that I needed to um, get some professional assistance with that, so coaching um, and trying to more empathize with other people and where they were coming from. Um, And so then it really morphed into, okay, great, I can be more – I can be a leader by drawing out, but then it kind of became a little bit too emotionally focused 
and well, how are you feeling about this or how are you feeling about that? And it's not that I don't want to um, hear about how people are feeling in a day, but sometimes that then can become the focus as opposed to, well, what are we all driving at? So if we can all get that common goal, whether it's uh, you know, in the physical therapy world, it's how many visits in a week or it's how many people actually get to graduate. How many people have we helped, not just by visits, but how many people actually completed and got to the goal that they wanted to have? Um, and so once we can all start focusing on that, either number, um, some sort of metric or something that's measurable, um, then we can all have our different responses to it because we all have different personality types and different responses to the same stimuli. And we can all give each other grace in that and we can all still accomplish things at the same time. So my leadership style has definitely, even in the past number of months, um, had a, a huge transformation where, <laughs> as somebody commented the other day, they're like, oh, my gosh, April, in this situation, you used to just scream and yell, and I kind of miss that old person. Where is she? And so I, I use that as a nice little um, comment of, yay, I have actually progressed in my ability to lead people and not be um, as uh, direct as I used to be. So I, I think now I, I really want to um, – uh, personify what has been demonstrated to me from a standpoint of uh, not somebody repeating over and over, April, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? Why Why isn't this done? You know, I already talked to you about this once, but really more along the lines of um, being a helper as a leader, as in, hey, we, we have this metric that we're all trying to reach. I see that we're struggling. Um, what can I help you with? What, what do you need help with? And really naming it and not just saying, you know, well, what can I help you with? Um, you know, we've talked about this, so what, what, what help do you need? Um, and it has been so funny how that has transformed my whole mindset with um, interacting with, with staff. So it's been a, a great, great leadership um, revelation to me in the last number of months. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, now, in the past, you've dealt with some issues around people maybe not perceiving you as the decision maker from some of the things we've talked about and what I've read. Can you tell us a little bit something about that and how you managed it? Yeah, you know, I, I'd like to think that I have got really good genes. My dad was carded at a concert when he was age 30. They didn't, uh, sorry, age 40. They didn't think he was 30. So I look very young. And as a female dealing um, in the uh, old school, we'll call it, old school medical um, uh, situations where you're trying to um, talk to physicians who maybe aren't interested in talking to someone who looks like their granddaughter um, or talking to bankers or lawyers. Um, very frequently, um, I, I would be in a room with another person from my company who was uh, my employee, and I would ask a question to the professional, and the professional wouldn't address me by voice or looking at me, but they would respond to the person who was in the room who also happened to be male. <laughs> I was like, well, you, you could actually direct that at me because I'm the decision maker here. Uh, this was back in my more direct days. Um, I'm the decision maker <laughs> here, and um, he is, he's here just to kind of take notes. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy to have you address that to me. Um, so this, that was my very, very direct way of doing that. Um, I found that at the time to be – uh, you know, you, you get really angry. Well, I got really angry about those things and um, very offended. And I, I can't believe that they would do this. But when you realize that everybody comes to the table with a certain set of expectations, you can either get angry about it or you can just start to kindly work your way around that. And so 
um, at that time, um, I, I don't know if I would handle it the same way now, but at that time, um, there was that, the direct conflict resolution face-to-face. -face, and then at other times, I would just say, you know what, I'm tired of the fight. I think I'm just going to hire somebody to go do that piece of it. So, you know, hiring um, uh, a representative to uh, get behind the glass, so to speak. Uh, where I wasn't able to because nobody would give me the time of day. Um, so I just I hired somebody who looked like what the expected person um, should be looking like to win that interaction. And so then at that point, um, the person built up the business in, in that aspect, and then I was able to swoop in and be able to say, okay, great, now that we've had this good relationship built, realize that, hey, I'm, I'm the business owner and I'd love to um, continue doing business with you. Um, that person has actually moved on to a different role um, or that was my consultant and we are now uh, not using that consultant anymore and I'd love to continue business with you. So that's, that's how I kind of dealt with the, uh, you're not the right person for me to be dealing with and you're not actually the decision maker. Okay, great, thank you. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. And then in November of last year, you sold a controlling interest of Body Gears, um, but are still involved. How did that come about, and how is that transition going for you? Yeah, you know, I, as somebody who never wrote a business plan, never had any plans whatsoever, because planning is just not something that I naturally do, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be somebody who would um, be excited about um, having a partner um, as big as the company is that I'm uh, dealing with now and um, as our parent company. And it has really been a fantastic um, learning opportunity. Um, as with all transitions, there's a lot of, um, you know, some people who really, really like the transition, other people are a little bit neutral, and then some people are very negative about it. And so uh, at this stage of the game, the, the people who would like to be here are here. Um, the people who didn't see themselves identifying um, with that new company have decided to go on and seek their own, um, either their own companies or um, other companies that more aligned with where they perceive themselves to be. Um, so where we're at right now is um, a really great place of new growth, new opportunity, and a lot of excitement about um, the training and the, um, the growth opportunities. So that came about, though, um, I guess it would have been 13 or so years um, into having a business. We just um, we were getting tons of phone calls about, uh, can you buy us or can we buy you? Or we're like, what is happening? So ended up taking some meetings, um, and then that proceeded to uh, give us a whole new um, set uh, of information, basically, of, okay, here's some things that could happen or not happen in your market some things that could happen or not happen in the medical field, and just really started to look at what's going to be the best thing for the business. The best thing for the business is not to close. The best thing for the business is not to go under. Um, the best thing for the business is to graduate onto the next level. And so um, in making that happen, um, that's we were in a very fortunate position of being able to choose who we wanted to partner with. Um, so the company chose us, and we chose them simultaneously, and it was a, a, a really great match. So um, that's how that came about. And, again, something I never, ever thought that I would be excited about doing. So if I heard you right, there are – you didn't know a whole lot about these possibilities and stuff until you not only got the phone calls and maybe some interest, but you started taking meetings so that you could learn more about this type of process. 
Yeah, is that and that right? is something that that's exactly correct. And and something that again, I would never have ever have ever thought about doing. And so within the last probably three or four years of having the business, um, the CEO here was somebody who would spend a lot of time talking to people who were trying to solicit our business. And I was like, I, I don't understand why you're wasting so much time. And he goes, well, April, the, I'm not wasting time. It is an amazing way to get information that you wouldn't have otherwise. Now, of course, you have to weigh that information, right? You can't just uh, take it at face value. But um, so like companies who would want to change EMRs, right? Um, hey, we know that you're using this company. What if you wanted to use a different electric electronic medical records company? What what would you think about that? And so the meeting would be, you know, a half hour to an hour on the phone. Uh, talk me through what your proposal is. How are you different than your competitors? What makes you better than your competitors? Why in the world would we come over to you compared to where we're at right now? And it, it became a really interesting way to gather data about the larger markets um, because when you're a business owner, um, in, in particular – I found as a physical therapist because we what we do is so literally right in front of us to within touching distance that it's hard to have a larger perspective um, and so it was a really very a really very uh, nice way to get us above the clouds to see what else was out there um, uh, so that that's basically why we started taking um, any sort of meetings with these phone calls. Um, was because, well, if there's this much movement and we have no idea why, there must be some information out there as to why we're getting so many phone calls all in a very concentrated two- or three-week period. Oh, so it was that short? It was very condensed yeah. that you were getting interest? Wow, yes. okay. okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> oh. Well, is there any any other kind of final thoughts you'd like to share with with our audience? You know, I I really have loved my whole entrepreneurial journey, and I, I wouldn't say that I'm done. Um, I really feel like in this stage, um, I have a, a whole new set of resources um, that, you know, when you're a, a small company, you don't have the ability to, to do just because they, they cost so much, right? But at the time that I was a, a younger business owner, I didn't want that. And I think, you know, starting the company um, – you know, in my 30s, the, the person you are in your 20s isn't the person you are in your 30s, and that's not the person you are in your 40s, right? And so as your as people grow, right, there are different things that become attractive um, as you get older. And I think within a business, um, keeping our options open is a really great idea because you never know where, where you're going to land, and you never know what things are going to change in your family. You never know what things are going to change in your desires. Like, I... I never thought that I would own an SUV. I thought I would always be always be a hybrid type person, right? But I own an SUV now. <laughs> so, like those kind of things that, um, you, if you keep your mind open, you might realize that although certain aspects of a company or certain aspects of your own company um, are really good in one area of life or stage of life, and it would be very inappropriate in another stage, actually can flip flop. Um, if you're still looking around and going, huh, is this the best decision? Is this the best decision? And really taking into account um, consultants and taking into account people that you trust um, and then obviously making a good decision on your own. But uh, having options open like that I think is a great idea. 
Well, thank you very much for that. It was really good talking with you today, April. I truly appreciate your time and your willingness to share uh, with our audience. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to my conversation with April Lowry. This is Sturdy McKee, and you can reach me and share your thoughts at sturdymckee.com. That's sturdymckee.com, and you can track April down at bodygears.com. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening.